joke about time. We, uh, I don't remember what, when it came up, but somebody was preaching for too long and he called them Pharaoh because he wouldn't let his people go. So ever since then, every time I start uh, inching closer to the time of being done, I see, I see somebody go in the back going, <laughs> reminding me to let his people go. <laughs> All right. Uh, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Mark 4, and we're going to get to verse 35 is where we're going to start. And we've been looking at, and we started last week, considering Christ. Uh, and this week we're going to continue that, and we're going to look at considering his presence. Uh, Mark 4 and verse 35 is a very uh, known uh, story. Uh, a very known thing that happened in the Bible, uh, a very known, uh, just, I mean, the kids know about it and everything, but we see all throughout Christ's ministry, uh, as we talked last week, that his goal was to uh, do his father's business. Uh, we, when he, even when he was a child, when, back in Luke, when they find him in the um, temple, he, he says how, and he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist not that, ye, that I must be about my father's business? See, the Lord's, uh, everything he did was on a timetable. Uh, and it was, every step had a purpose, and it was all to fulfill God's purposes, to glorify the Father. And in this passage here, uh, we see that the Lord has uh, finished, I shouldn't say finished, but is, is starting to end his ministry there in Galilee, uh, where we saw many, many miracles, many things happened, a lot of preaching happened there, and it was really uh, kind of one of the, the first areas where there weren't a lot of problems, and, and he wasn't getting chased out of everywhere, and, and he wasn't having all these issues that he, was, he will start having, uh, and it, it was really a, a, a busy day there for Christ, and, and he says there, uh, verse 34, no, verse, where did I say, verse 35, and the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side, he, he wanted to go over to the other side, across the Sea of Galilee, to the Gadarenes, uh, to, to basically do the same thing he's been doing here in Galilee, he's, he wants to start another ministry, wants to work over there, and crossing the Galilean Sea was normal for them. They have done it many, many a times going back and forth. And we know that some of his disciples were fishermen, so uh, it didn't seem like anything out of the ordinary. We're just going to get in a boat and head over, uh, just like we've done many a times. But this time, uh, it was going to be different for them. This time, God was going to put them in a storm, in a test, uh, to see where they were at to see how their faith was, to, to see where was their breaking point, where, where does the fear overcome our faith. Uh, and, and sometimes, sadly, we're tempted uh, throughout the day, throughout our week, to uh, become confident in ourselves. Uh, you know, you, you get to Wednesday, Thursday, you've already done Monday and Tuesday, and you're, you're in a routine, and you're getting going and everything, and you kind of just forget about God's presence. You forget to consider Christ, and we're just doing it on our own abilities and our own skills. And and honestly, 
we find ourselves in the same situation that the disciples are when a storm comes. And a lot of times it always usually comes when we are in that position, when we're just in the comfortable stage, uh, when, when we don't consider Christ, when, when we're confident in our own abilities. And so through this uh, story, I'm going to look at three truths that we find through this. Uh, let's go ahead and pray and we'll get started in the lesson. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I thank you so much for this morning, for being uh, be able to wake up. Uh, Lord, to give us life, another day to live for you, and I pray that uh, through this morning that you be glorified and that your name be lifted up, and I pray that we uh, be mindful of the, the truths that you have in your word for each and every one of us, because uh, your word says that we're all going to face trials, we're all going to go through storms, and your word uh, has specific truths to help us to get through those, uh, and not to fear like uh, our life is in danger. I, I pray that we just uh, learn today that we can trust in you and to rely on you. I thank you again in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the first thing uh, we're going to look at is the reality of storms. Uh, continuing on here, verse 35, and the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had set away the multitude, they took him even as he was in a ship. And there were, with, were also with them, with him, other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. The fact that Jesus was present in the ship didn't make a difference whether they were going to be in a storm or not. A lot of times, sadly, some teachers think that if you're in God's will or, or if you're doing what you should be doing or, or you're, you're abiding in Christ, your life is going to be full of perfect. No, no issues, no tribulations, no trials, no storms. But biblically, we don't see that at all. Uh, in fact, we see the exact opposite, that these disciples are literally in the boat with Christ. You can't be in any closer will of God's than where they're at. Literally, Christ says, we're going to go to the other side. Everybody in the boat. Everybody's in the boat, and we're going across. We're, they are as close to the will of God as they can be. And yet a storm arises. The fact that the reality is storms are going to happen. We can't change that. And, and the first thing of the reality of storms is they're unpredictable. Uh, we, we don't know when they're going to happen. We don't know that a storm's com coming. Uh, historically, or I guess geography, the, the Sea of Galilee is 732 feet below sea level, uh, which causes it to have a lot of storms, a lot of wind, a lot of crazy amount of storms that happen in there. But these are disciples that are, a lot of them are commercial fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. We know this sea. We know how to deal with it. We know when a storm's coming. We can see this stuff. We have this in the bag. Everything looks fine. Let's just go across. But the disciples neglected to consider who was on the ship when, when the storms came. You read there uh, at the end of verse 37. Uh, and, there, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Guess what? Uh, boats aren't supposed to be full of water. I, my biggest fear is drowning. 
I don't care however I go. I'll take just about every other way of going into eternity, but drowning is the biggest fear that I have. And, and you can imagine uh, even as a commercial fisherman, your boat's not supposed to be full of water. Maybe fish, but not water. I mean, the, the fact that these men were so frightened and so scared for their lives, and yet they forget the man that's right there in the next verse. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. Christ was right there with them. If, if our faith, and, and remember, these, these disciples had just gone through watching Christ do miracles, healing, and, and, and casting out demons. And they had all this, the high mountaintop. And yet, how quickly we change things when we're in the middle of a storm. How, how quickly that fear triumphs over our faith. Uh, one of the greatest purposes God has in storms and trials is to make us more like him, uh, to rely on him. Romans 8, 28, we know, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. See, during peaceful times, like I said, we, we become complacent. We, we get comfortable in our situation. We, we rely less and less on God when it's comfortable, when it's easy. Uh, um, you don't look at the manual when you know how to fix the, the thing. I don't, I don't, when, I'm, when I'm working on an appliance, I'm not trying to figure out, why does this stove not heat? Where is that? Even though I've done it, you know, 700 times, and I know what the issue is. I don't go to the manual. But sadly, that's not the way we're supposed to live in our Christian life. Just because things are easy and you know how to handle something doesn't mean you take you forget the manual that gives you the instructions. But sadly, that's what we do. And that's what the disciples did. They, they forgot who was literally in the back through this whole thing. And, and the fact is Christ told them in verse 35, let us pass over onto the other side. Jesus promised them, we're going to get over there. Do you think Christ is, oh, I didn't know about the storm. I, this was new. I didn't think this was coming. Well, maybe we won't get to the other side. Maybe we'll just die and drown here. But fear totally enveloped everything that they knew. The reality of storms is that they're unpredictable, but they're also unmerciful. If you look around, storms, trials, they, they don't care who you are. They don't care whether you're rich or you're poor or you're, it doesn't matter. Storms are going to come and it doesn't matter where you are, society, where you are in anything. There's a lot of storms that fill our boat up. They become unbearable, uh, not, I mean, literally for them, it was literally filling up their boat. For us, we become overwhelmed a lot of times by how heavy the, the burden feels or how heavy the trial feels. You, you see that, well, I already said it. So if, verse 37, the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full, full of water. Luke eight twenty three. 23, uh, recounting the same uh, account. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. 
And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. Although our difficulties don't take place inside a boat like this, uh, we can also become overwhelmed. Uh, there's many ways to handle being overwhelmed. Some people sadly go to alcohol or drugs or immorality or many other things. They, they leave uh, home. They try to run away from the problems. But Christ, they could have tried to jump out of the water. They, up out of the water. Out of the boat. Well, I guess it was full of water, so try to get out of the water. But uh, they could have tried to get out of the situation, but the fact is, they, they, the sh it wasn't like there's a, here's their boat, and they had one cloud going all over top of them, and they just jump out of the boat, and everything's fine over here. No, the storm was across the entire sea. They couldn't get away from it, but they needed to allow the Lord, as we do through our trials, to trust in him. Allow the Lord to work through us. James 1, 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, it, I find it interesting. It says, but let patience have her perfect work. In this situation, God calms the storm. Uh, he, they wake him up, he gets up, and he, he rebukes the, the wind and calms the storm. A lot of times that doesn't happen in our lives. But we, we ask the Lord to take, just get rid of this storm. He could, but that verse says that, that patient, let patience have its work. Let it go its course. There's a purpose why you're going through trials and storms and a lot of times we just want it to stop. I want to stop hurting. I want this to stop and be done. But God has a purpose for it. So we need to allow that storm to go through, for us to go through that storm to, to the end. But don't forget that Christ is with you. Christ is in the boat, figuratively speaking, in your trial, in your storm. He's not left you. Uh, there's no matter how overwhelming the storm is, God will never, ever fail you. Uh, often when we're inside that storm, like the disciples, we become overcome with fear. Uh, we're worried about everything. We're worried about how things are going to happen, how, what's going to be the result, what's going to happen to this situation. And we forget that the Lord is present in that situation, in that storm. He's right there with us. And just as they had seen Christ cast out demons in ministry and many miracles just that day and the day before, it all meant nothing when they're sinking, when they're in the storm. Uh, it's, it's easy to see how uh, quickly our, our faith in, in the normal day-to-day -day becomes totally overcome with fear because of our situation and our, 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 what we see. The bigger your God is, the smaller your problems are. Nothing is too difficult for God to get you through. I think, I think pastors used this before, but it's a good way of uh, showing how perspective changes. Uh, a teenage 
uh, a mother and father went into their teenage daughter's room and found a, a note that said, Mom and Dad. And they picked it up and they started reading it, and it said this, Dear Mom and Dad, I'm writing this letter on school paper because my stationery got burnt up in the fire. I am now out of the hospital, and I have now moved in with my new boyfriend, Bill. Sorry, not, not related, Bill. Uh, he got me a job where he works, and I'm a waitress at the Red Dog Saloon. Your new grandbaby is due next fall. And by now you're shaking and wondering where this is going, but it says, Mom, Dad, none of the above are really happened. However, I made a C in French and am now failing history. Love your daughter. It's easy how our perspective can change uh, very quickly by considering the worst possible case. And then she tried to sneak in the, oh, you know, none of that's all that. I failed a class, so maybe it'll not be so bad. But our, our perspective changes. When trials come, the devil tries to, to use those trials and storms to make us lose our perspective. God's not with you. God wouldn't put you through this if you were doing right. God doesn't care about you. God doesn't love you. 1 Peter 4, 12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. The reality is storms happen. That's a truth. We, we can't get away from that. And in this fact, if you're a child of God, the Bible specifically says we are going to have tribulations. No ifs, ands, or buts. But the word of God gives us truths to be able to get through those trials. How to handle it to where we're not overcome with fear. So the realities of storms, the, the second truth is the request of the faithful. Look there at verse 38. And when he, and he, talking about Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? You see the interesting thing that Christ was in the back of the ship, mind you, in the same storm, asleep. We, we see the contrast of Jesus having full faith in God not worried about the, the, the situation, not worried about the storm, knowing and trusting that God's going to get them through no matter what, versus the me fearful for my life that I'm going to drown, shaking. I, I can imagine they didn't just, hey, Jesus, master, I don't really want to wake him up. I mean, he, he needs to sleep, but hey, psst, psst. like trying to wake Tori up this morning. Hey, wake up. No, I, I can imagine they ran and shook him. Master! They got to get him awake. This is serious. But yet, Christ is sleeping through this all. The request of the fearful, and the first thing is they request his attention. Master, wake up. You, look at what's going on. How are you sleeping through this? Why is it that sometimes we doubt God's caring? God, why would you put me through this? How can you do this to me? How does that happen to that person? Why is that person having this? And this person's perfectly fine. Why, why are you putting this person through a storm who's, who's going to church and, and living a faithful life and, and this person who doesn't even go to church 
seems to be having perfectly fine life. Why, why are you doing this? And we question God's caring for us through our lives. But God's in control of it. God's choosing who to get what trial, who to give what storm, and what the purpose of that storm is. God gives anything that you go through in your life that you don't control, by the way, that's a lot more than we think, God's in control. God's giving it to you for a purpose, not just to punish you, but it could be also to get you back to him, to draw you closer to him, but it's also to work, as the Bible says, try worketh your faith, trying to get you to grow, trying to get you to conform closer to the image of Christ. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. The men in the boat with Jesus were questioning the love of the very originator of love. They were, they were asking Christ, do you care about this? By the man and the Christ who cared so much that he was even there to die on the cross for them. Amen. Sadly, we, we, we put um, this big emphasis on, God, you don't understand what's going on. Did, did you forget what was going on? Did you forget I'm going through this? Hello? When God's the originator of the storm. Hebrews 13, 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he saith, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. They requested his attention, but they also requested his help. I mean, you don't just go to another guy. To, they, they didn't ask him, hey, can you get a bucket? We got to bail something out. Somewhere in the back of their mind, they knew they needed to go to Christ for the help. Now, did they think what was going to happen was going to happen? No, that's not what they automatically thought. Oh, we need to get Jesus. He, he'll take care of this. But they went to the correct person. The beautiful thing is when we humble ourselves in our fear and, and realize that we can't do this on our own, God's there ready to listen. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't ever show, uh, uh, verse 38, Master, carest thou not that we perish? 39, and he arose. I don't know about you, but I don't exactly arise right away when somebody says, hey, wake up, get up. God does. God doesn't have to get the sleep out of his eyes and, and wake himself up. God's there to listen. God's there to help you through your storm. Uh, they requested his help because he was the only one that was going to help. And he was the only one that was able to respond to them. Lamentations 3, 22 says, It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. We serve a faithful God who loves us and hears us even when we have little faith, even when we're fearful, even when our faith is trumped by fear and the issues that we're having to deal with. He, they, they 
went to him for help. So we see the, the reality truth of that we're all going to go through storms. We see the, uh, the request that coming to who we should come to during those storms. The truth is we have somebody, a God that is able to do something about it. And the person that we should go to first, we have that truth as we see here. And the last thing is the truth is we see the response of the Savior. Verse 39. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. As we consider Christ's presence, uh, consider his power. Uh, the fact that he was uh, chose to stop it all, to, to consider displaying his ability uh, to the word right there, verse 39, and he rose and rebuked the wind. To rebuke somebody is to charge with authority, stop this. You don't, you don't see somebody getting up and uh, it's like a kid getting up in front of a teacher and saying, stop teaching. Well, that, that's not going to hold any kind of weight. If the teacher tells the kid to hush, be silent. Uh, rebuking somebody is to have charge and to have uh, uh, authority to give that charge that has to be obeyed. Ephesians 2.2 says, Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Who is the prince of the power of the air? Satan. You can answer. Sorry, I was not rhetorical questions. Uh, Satan. And, and I find it interesting that he rebukes the wind, but he says to the sea, peace be still. I, I, I think, and it might be reading a little bit into this, but Satan controls the wind, controls the power of the air. Uh, in this account, we could look at it as Satan was trying to again, like he did throughout the entire ministry of Christ, trying to stop Christ from getting to the cross. But I, I just find it interesting that he rebukes the wind. He doesn't, you know, just, it doesn't say he says to the wind. It doesn't say that he, he you know, mentioned to the wind, hey, be quiet. He rebukes the wind. And if that's true, it shows that God had the power, Christ had the power over Satan or the wind in general, to stop completely. Uh, I've been in places where it's windy and stuff, and it dies down. You know, it gets less windy. When you're sailing, I, I used to sail a lot in Ohio, and you would have times where the, the gusts would come, and then you'd have times where it would go away. But it never just stopped. Like dead still, you're just sitting, bobbing in the water. But that's what happened here. Christ rebukes the wind and the waves, and it's done. It's, it's eerily done. Uh, as you face storms in our lives, understand that there's a real devil. Understand there is a real enemy out there. All throughout the Bible, Paul even talks about we, we battle against not flesh and blood, but he names all these spiritual realm powers that 
we can't see, we can't control, but we have somebody in the boat that can and that has that power to be able to control and to rebuke the wind. Whatever kind of wind we face today, whatever power is against us, remember that this has way more power than that. The word of God is more powerful than the prince of the air, than anything that we're going to go through. And that's how we can defeat the wind. How do we defeat sin? By hiding God's word in our heart, by using the word of God. Like we looked at last week through his temptation with Satan, he used the word of God to defeat the trial. We can use God's word to basically cut it at the knees and take the power away. But then he, he spoke to the wind. He said, peace, be still. That peace, be still, uh, sometimes we just think of it, just be quiet, be stop, stop. This peace, be still, that phrase means to close the mouth with a muzzle. That's, it's not just hush, keep your mouth quiet. No, we, we're, we're shutting the mouth and we're putting a muzzle on it so it doesn't open up again. Christ had full and complete power. When, when you're going through storms, rather than cowering in fear, trust in God. Uh, Psalms 56.3 says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. But the next thing he does here, verse 40, and he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? He used this storm as he uses all the storms in our lives to try to get us to grow. He challenges his disciples. Where the disciples were, were at that point, a lot of times is exactly where we're at. Totally fearful, totally forgetting to rely on God, totally forgetting to go to God for help to get us through the trial. We're so fearful to trust the Lord, and yet every one of us have been there. And we see that is exactly what the disciples are dealing with right now. But he reminds the disciples, you have nothing to fear. Uh, Later on, um, and I can't remember who, whether it's Paul or it might have been Jesus, says to them, don't fear what men may do to you. Fear who, um, who, yeah, don't fear who can destroy your body. Fear who can destroy the soul. Christ is here trying to tell them, don't, why are you so feared about this? I'm right here. I'm here with you. Don't be fearful. The sad Christians, because the Lord's in the boat with you, we have no reason to fear. Uh, fear is the exact opposite of faith. You can't have both together. If you have both together, it means you're, you're, the power of your faith is lessened. Uh, you, uh, Friday night, we, uh, he talked about Kool-Aid. Was it Friday night he talked about Kool-Aid? It might have been Sunday night. But he talked about Kool-Aid, and at, at first, when you make the Kool-Aid, it is as strong as possible. But as you add more water to it, it dilutes it. Same idea with faith. Faith is, 
Kool-Aid in this example. Faith is the Kool-Aid. The strongest amount of faith is all Kool-Aid, and as we add fear to it, that faith gets less and less. You could still call it faith, but there's not much faith left in it. And that's what fear does is it, it tries to overpower your faith. And sadly, as humans, we, we give a lot of power to faith. To some point, a good idea. I'm not saying, you know, I have faith that I'm going to walk into the lion's uh, place at the zoo. I have faith I'll be okay. No, God, God put a mind in us as well, a brain, not to just jump into something crazy. But at the same time, God wants us to fear one thing, him. All throughout the Bible, the, the Bible never says, fear this, and that's okay. Fear this, and that's okay. And if you're scared of this, that's okay. There's only one thing that the Bible says, fear, and is in okay, and that's God. The fear of the Lord is the only thing that we should have in that fear part of our brain. Psalms 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will we, English, and therefore will not we fear through the earth, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swellness thereof, Selah. The psalmist knew that the, with God being our refuge and strength and present help, we have nothing to fear, no matter what. He talks about, though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried away and put into the middle of the sea, though the waters roar, just like this situation, though the waters be overtaking the ship, God's our refuge and strength. Don't forget who our faith is in, and we don't need to fear. We have a great God in heaven who can feed the sparrows. Uh, Matthew, we won't go to there for sake of time, but Matthew 6, 25, when Christ is giving uh, the Sermon on the Mount and talks about the sparrows, they don't plant seeds, they don't water a garden, but yet the Lord feeds them. And he says, are ye not much better than they? He talks about the lilies clothing them, and we don't have to worry about that. Aren't we better than those things? Doesn't Christ take care of us more than those? The disciples had to look on their own resources and realize that they weren't going to make it on their own. And we have to do the same thing. We have to realize in our own strength, in our own abilities, we can't get through these storms. Even commercial fishermen can't get through this storm. Do you think you're going to be able to get through whatever storm's involved? That, you know, even if it's in your area of expertise, and I have all the skills, and I'm going to get through this. It'd be like a, a financial advisor going in through a storm of money. Yeah, he can rely on himself and think, well, I, this is my job. I should be able to get myself out of this storm and trial. But God gave you the ability, but he didn't give you the ability to forget him. He didn't give you the ability to just rely on yourself and your abilities and forget your faith in him. We have, Charles Spurgeon said it this way, we have no more faith at any time than we have in the hour of trial. 
all that will be all that will not bear to be tested is more carnal confidence after the 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 interesting you look uh, look at verse 41 after Christ calms the storm right you you've just been fearful for your life literally thinking you are going to die and drown and Christ rebukes the wind and speaks to the sea and everything's quiet and calm in verse 41 and they feared exceedingly and said one to another what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him see the fear of dying I I wrote this down a long time ago the fear of dying was nothing compared to their fear of Christ at that point again Total shift and change. We're in this situation of fearing for our lives. And now, what manner of man is this? It, it says they're, they feared exceedingly. I mean, could, could you imagine uh, being with Christ in this situation? But at, at this point, uh, I don't know that they really saw him as Christ. They didn't see him as the son of God. And so they, he's a master. He's a rabbi. He, he's a, a good teacher. And he's doing a lot of miracles and has a lot of power over things. But what manner of man is this? That, that even he can rebuke the wind and the seas obey him. Jesus Christ, the very creator of the world, was with them in this ship. And that same Jesus is with us in the storms. And in the trials, that same Christ that spoke it into existence, that, that keeps the world going, that was in human form in this specific time, that's equal to God, that has all power, seated on the right hand of the throne of God, is right there with you in your storm. Don't forget that. Because without that, you're not going to make it through the storm. Without knowing and having your faith in Christ, that storm will overwhelm you. That's why a lot of times we we wonder how people outside of being saved, how they go through the storms. And sadly, we see how they go through the storms. That's why uh, taking your life is so huge. They can't handle the, the stress that they're dealing with, and they don't have... Christ in that boat they're trying to do it on their own so they'll they'll go to drinking trying to get the pain away just try to forget about this but we don't have to do that because we do have Christ in the boat he might be asleep in the back like he was with the disciples but we shouldn't automatically think he forgot about us he's in the back sleeping because he has full power and knows he's going to take care of us. Maybe you trusted Christ as Savior and you're a Christian, but you're, you're lacking faith. Consider Christ's presence in your storm. Don't forget he's there. He's always going to be there till he takes us home and gets us through every storm. And we're in heaven with him. We're going to have storms, but Christ is going to get us through. Don't forget that. Don't don't forget what the disciples learned. What manner of man is this? It's because he's not just a man. He's God and has all power. Let's pray and we'll get 
into this morning service. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for your word and uh, the examples that you gave us, uh, not just uh, so we could have a good story or uh, that we could feel good about something, but Lord, they, they should prove to us who you are and, and give us the faith and confidence that we need to have in you and through any issue that we go through. You're the one that can control it all. You're the one that does control it all, and it never surprises you. And you're the one that we need to go to and look to for strength. God, I pray that you uh, bless this afternoon. Be with the next uh, lesson and the next uh, service. I uh, pray that you fill Pastor with your Holy Spirit to give us exactly what you need to have us here, and that we change our hearts to be more like you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.